Hey, one quick thing before we get started. I just want to remind you that this podcast is for information, education, and entertainment. It is not a substitute for therapy or therapeutic intervention. If you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or contact a crisis hotline. Hey everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you're listening to the Labors of Love podcast. Um, today, my podcast um, hits a, a rather melancholy note for me. So ahead of time, I think I do want to offer some content warnings. Um, I am going to be talking pretty specifically about Uh, my current grieving process that I'm going through. And so there will be talk about grief. There will be talk about death. Um, Yeah, I think those are the the major content warnings that I want to offer for today's episode. I actually had a guest lined up and had to cancel and reschedule that recording because of my grief process. And I have shared a few posts on social media, my personal social media, about the grieving process that I'm going through. But it feels so raw, yet vibrant and significant that I wanted to share it with others because I don't think we talk about grief enough. (laughs) So You know, there have been multiple episodes over the years where I've talked about grief and they have different iterations of, of, you know, the process and things like that. But this is one that I'm sharing on a personal note. So I'll start by saying that I happen to be scrolling through social media this weekend and I have multiple Facebook pages. I have a business page and I have a personal page. And I also have a personal page that I don't utilize very often. This was my original Facebook page, you know, started back in probably 2004. And when I went off social media for years um, and came back, it was the page that I reinstated. So it holds some pictures and memories that I don't want to get rid of, but I also don't spend a lot of time operating from this page. Um, there are a few people, <clears throat> excuse me, that I am connected with on this Facebook page that I'm not on the one that I use regularly. So from time to time, I will go to my less active Facebook page and just scroll through because there are some people that I frankly have forgotten about um, or haven't connected with in a while. And so that's what I was doing. And I came across the page of uh, a childhood friend's father. And on this page, I found out that uh, his daughter had died. Now, this is, I would call her a friend. She lived across the street from me. But I was closest to her sister. 
her younger sister and I were very close growing up and she was the middle sister and she had died. As I saw this instantly, I had this like sinking heart feeling. I felt warm. It was very shocking. And as I tried to look some more on his page, it became more difficult for me to determine if this was a recent event. Um, And then in going down, I wouldn't even call it a rabbit hole, but like going to his Instagram page, I saw that the same picture, what had been posted on Facebook was like a screenshot of something that was posted on Instagram, but it had been posted like in November of 2021. So there was just this surreal moment of like, oh my God, this person has passed away. And this could have happened over a year ago. And I was really sad about it. I allowed myself to be sad about it and I continued to go on about my my day. I got to later in the evening and I realized that some things were happening internally, right? Like um, that sadness had made way for some other experiences. So I want to concentrate some time right here because I really, truly believe this is going to be helpful for some people. It is my growing belief through my personal experience that grief can be crafty. So in a culture, in a society that I believe is under grieved, (laughs) uh, that we avoid grief in many ways, grief has a way of showing up as anything we will, whatever it needs to show up as that we are willing to get out. I believe that all grief is attempting to get out of our system and it will find ways to do that. So I was aware that I was sad and I was experiencing grief around this passing. But later in the evening, I started to have some really interesting experiences. Ones that maybe I've had them before, but I'd never been present enough to really be present with what was happening, which was, it seemed like this dark hole opened and I started to have all kinds of thoughts. It was really interesting. Now, because I was recognized, I was having some internal experience. I know that creativity is one way that I allow my internal experience to be externalized. I'm grateful to my partner, to Jay, because the day before While we were out getting food, he reminded me that I had been wanting to get art supplies. I wanted to re-up my art supplies. I needed some new canvases. But then I remembered while I was in the store that I also wanted to get some like paint pens. So I got in some paint pens because what often happens is I'll want to create, I will want to paint, but I don't want to clean up (laughs) after I paint. So I thought paint pens would be a way for me to kind of experiment with that. So I was grateful that I had these new supplies because I was feeling so heavy, because this dark hole that opened in me felt like it was trying to consume me. I couldn't even make it down to like my new, my art, my art area. So he brought my art supplies to me. I was able to turn on some music, I lit a candle, and then I started to create. And as I was creating, I was trying to be very intentional to allow whatever came up to come up. The thing about it is when we hold space and sit in grief, sit in the pain, 
and allow that to happen, it's not comfortable. Sometimes images, intrusive thoughts, words, sounds, things start to come up and it um, it can be much more convenient to just push it away, to distract ourselves, to go, Mm-mm, I'm not doing this right now. And I have done that many a times, but I was determined on this particular day, no, I, I'm going to be as present with this as I can. And it was intense. At some point, I had thoughts about um, my worth and my value. At some points, I started to think, you're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. You you should have accomplished or been or done more than this. At, at another point, I started thinking about how much more money I should be making or having or saving. I started thinking about my health, how I need to take better care of myself. I went down a, you know, it was like, I, I need to do a detox. I mean, a detox, like there were just so many things coming up and I just kept creating. I kept creating. I kept creating. I just allowed myself to keep creating and I allowed these things to just come up. And I don't, the best visual that I can think of right now is like a, a dark, like I said, just an expansive dark hole. Can't see the bottom. And these thoughts, pictures, images, words were just floating up out of this dark hole, hovering. They would not last long. They would not stay. They didn't attach themselves to anything. I didn't find myself lingering too long on them. And by too long, I mean that one particular thought might have come up and I might have continued on that thought pattern for two to five minutes and and then it would pass and another one would come up. And at some point, I was laying on the floor, still creating, and I had a thought. And I, I have an, an asterisk here. Um, and I'm thinking, <laughs> uh, I never know what I'm going to say. Also, uh, content warning here. But I, I want to be clear that um, at no point did I think of hurting myself or taking my own life. I promise. I'm fine. But in a moment, I understood I think for the first time in my life, I was sitting in this, this expansive space that felt dark. And I thought, I get it. If I was not as resourced as I am, and all of these things were swirling around, I get how a person could think the only way to make it stop is to make it stop. And it wasn't particularly the thought for myself in that moment, but there was a level of empathy and understanding that I had in that moment that really gave me so much compassion. And all I could say out loud was, I get it. It was a lot, but I was determined to be present with it. So I finished creating and I felt better. But there was this realization that, and I've said this before about grief, that I think that grief is like a magnet and it pulls into itself 
the unaddressed and unresolved grief that we stuff down or push down or sometimes just ignore or avoid for whatever reason. And in, in current situations of grief, pull to it those things that are left lodged and wedged in our body. And that's what was happening to me. Because when I was able to sit down and think about it and really be present with the grief, what the knowledge of the passing of my friend did was it helped me to realize that I had never grieved her sister, my my dear friend that I grew up with. So in part of my grief process, because I'm still processing, I want to talk about her for a little bit. <laughs> her sister, her sister's name was Tanya. And Tanya died 12 years ago in an automobile accident. It was, um, yeah, I, it was um, unexpected is the word. And at the time she was 30 years old with a small child. And I found out about Tanya's death the same way I found out about her sister's on social media. I found out on Facebook. It was a moment where you know, the year is 2010. And I had a feeling or so she came across my mind or in my heart. And this happens to me often. So I will tell you that now, and that this was before now that this didn't, um, this didn't start this, but for a very long time in my life, I have a story uh, that a friend told back in high school where this happened. But if I think of someone or someone spontaneously comes into my mind, spirit, or heart, I will reach out. If I dream about someone, I will reach out in any way I have to reach them to say, hey, I thought of you. I dreamt of you. You came across my mind. I'm reaching out to see how you are. And uh, apparently I've been doing that for a long time because, like I said, I had a friend who who shares a story pretty openly that I had done that in high school. And the day I called her to check on her was the day she was contemplating suicide. And that when I called her just to say I was thinking about her, it stopped her from taking her life. Now, I didn't know that until many years later. This friend told me that many years later. But I'm grateful that when I think about a person, I reach out. So I thought about Tanya. And I don't even know if I had an updated number, but I thought, let me see what she's been up to. And I went to her Facebook page. And... I saw people leaving like messages on her page of bereavement and I didn't understand. It's amazing how my brain couldn't process it at the time. Like the first message I saw, I got angry because I thought someone was like being cruel or maybe trying to suggest that <clears throat> because they hadn't talked to her in a while. Like, I don't know, like, why were they talking about her like she was dead? But then I scrolled down and someone had posted um, a link to like a, online news article that talked about the accident and my friend was gone and the thing about it is I was in an emotionally unsafe relationship an emotionally unsafe marriage at the time so I didn't feel safe enough 
to grieve. Now, I was not trauma aware, let less alone trauma informed at the time. I believe the words that I used at the time was, um, I I didn't trust him with my emotions. So what that meant was I couldn't express them. I remember having a small breakdown at work spontaneously the next day. Um, and my supervisor at the time just happened to be walking by. I had stepped, I was a teacher at the time. I had stepped out of the classroom just to take a, a quick breath. And she walked by and said, are you okay? And she, she was genuinely inquiring. And I, I broke down for a second. We got someone to watch my classroom. I was able to cry. And that was the last time I shed a tear for my beloved friend. I didn't have a space to um, to mourn or to process the weight of losing a friend at the time. When we go through the process of avoiding grief, it's not always intentional. We are not always determining to push something aside, to stuff it down or to get rid of it. Sometimes we just don't have the safety or the avenue to process it. And so we do whatever it is that we've always done in order to maintain safety. And for me, that was to keep going, just, you know, keep living life. So what happened after I allowed myself this past weekend to really just be with what is, I became aware that while I was deeply saddened by her sister's passing, This was an opportunity to allow a grief that had been been buried for 12 years to come to the surface. And so with that, I said, okay, I'm doing this. I'm not going to push it aside. I'm not going to distract myself. I'm going to be here for it. And it was a lot of waiting, if I can be honest. Every single minute was not... um, was not full filled with grief. In some ways, Sunday felt like a, a typical Sunday. Uh, we got unexpected snow. And that's crazy because when I say we got probably five to seven inches of snow, but didn't nobody talk about it. Like, I, I feel like every single person that I talked to woke up like, what? <laughs> I think we knew it was going to snow or maybe a dusting, but we looked out and it was, I mean, everyone was shocked and There is a gift in that for me, in the sense that I was supposed to leave home to go to an event and the inclement weather had me to stay home. And so I was able to just be home. I watched football. I spent time with my family. So I also want to process that sometimes we get really afraid of grief. We think it's going to consume every single moment of every single day. And that wasn't my, my experience. But there was a melancholy. There was a heaviness that I was experiencing, but for the most part, it felt like a a regular day. Because creativity is an outlet for me, I felt when I had created the night before, like it was a, oh, like, it's almost like I got to get this out. And so I started creating. I didn't feel that way on Sunday. I just felt like, okay, um, I felt compelled more than I felt like, oh, I got to get this out. And I had been considering uh, I wanted to paint a bird I don't know what bird I just had this idea I need to paint a bird and so I started to create 
And as I was creating throughout the day, um, and I shared my first creation on, on social media, I had some friends who were reaching out to me, checking on me. And at one point in time, I had two separate friends who were checking on me via text. My husband was in the room with me. Um, it meant a lot that, you know, sometimes Sunday evenings, everything is wound down. It's an opportunity for him to take some him time and do whatever he's doing. It meant a lot to me that he would just be in the space with me, even though I would be pretty distracted doing my creating. He was there with me and these two friends were checking on me. And I think the appropriate amount of patience and time and presence had come and I felt it coming. I felt emotion welling up inside of me and then I was ready to let it out. I climbed into my bed and I just began to sob. And I sobbed and I sobbed and I cried and I sobbed some more and I was shaking. And during that process, I was able to just allow myself during the sobbing to allow all of these thoughts and memories to come. And that is when I allowed myself to hear the inner workings of my heart. I don't know if y'all realize this, but our heart does not always tell us the full story. Like I am aware. And even if we go, um, yeah, scripturally, who can know the heart, right? says that God knows the heart, but I always, I think, operated for a long time off the premise that I know me. And what I realize now is there is so much of me that I'm unaware of, that's hidden, that's locked away, that my parts and my littles are holding on to. And so instead of trying to project what my heart was feeling, I just assumed the position of listener. And as I sobbed, my heart began to tell me what it was grieving. And that's when it really, really became clear to me of how much I loved this girl. You know, she was my only friend in the neighborhood. I grew up in a neighborhood that had very few children, a lot of old people, a lot of senior citizens. And I, my, my family lived there first. Um, and then she moved in, her and her two sisters who were older, and we became friends. She was one of the only <clears throat> kids on the block, period, and the only one that I really played with, let alone grew close to. We shared so much of our lives together. Um, I didn't go to school in my neighborhood, neither did she. We actually both went to Catholic schools, um, that were not particularly close, like you couldn't walk. You know, we had to drive to our schools. We lived two separate lives, yet we had this amazing friendship and sisterhood as two young girls navigating the world in the 80s and 90s, trying to figure out who we were and all the things that came along with that. We shared food. <laughs> She'd come to my house, I'd come to hers. 
fond memories of sitting on each other's porches. Um, went to two different high schools, had different extracurriculars, but always just came back to a life on the block. We loved Ally McBeal. We would watch it. The Dancing Baby. <laughs> that was our show. Mary J. Blige's Share My World. I will never hear a single song from that CD and not think about my Tanya. She was a singer. We sang together. She embraced her voice. I was scared of mine. Um, Cause I'm a singer too. <clears throat> she was one of my best friends. And I miss her. I miss her so much. And what my heart revealed is I didn't, I never really said that out loud. I, I think I realized at some point or parts of me realized that by professing how much I missed her, I would have to go through this process. I think my grief was stuck in a moment in time where when she died, um, I was not safe. It wasn't safe for me to grieve. And so being stuck in that moment in time, I think that grief just continued to bury itself and and find a place that was just out of out of sight and out of mind not realizing that I'm no longer in that unsafe relationship and that I am surrounded by community in a village who loves me and can support my mourning and my grief but I had to just sit in it I had to sit in it so I sobbed and I sobbed and I cried. I said, I miss her. I said, I love you, girl. I love you. You meant so much to me. You mean so much to me. I was able to express the grief that we didn't stay in better touch as we became adults or that um, all the things, all the things. And after I was done sobbing, for that moment, I was like, okay, all right, I've done that thing. So I went to bed and uh, woke up this morning. And I had a pretty full day. But when I woke up, I just was like, mm, no, I, I don't, I don't think I'm supposed to do this day. I am convinced that I could have gone to my meetings and done the podcast and done all the things and been okay, okay in quotes. Like I, I really do believe that I, I would have been fine. And I, I have the kind of community where I would not have had to mask or perform. I could have been real and raw where I was, but there was just some part of me that was like, ah, I don't think I'm supposed to, to do this. So it started by me canceling my first meeting and just sending a message 
And I was grateful that I didn't have to like fake it. I was able to say, hey, I've had a grief full weekend and I'm still in the middle of that process. I'm not going to be able to make it. And to receive a reply that's like, oh, you know, good for you for taking the time you need. Good for you for the grief. Like we're thinking about you if you need anything. And that felt really good. And so then I canceled my next thing and my producer canceled my podcast. And when I tell y'all, I just kept sleeping. I just kept sleeping, but this was different. This wasn't like sleep sometimes when I, I feel like, you know, a depressive sleep or anything. It just, it felt like a necessary sleep but it was not a restful sleep. It felt feverish. I don't know if you've ever like tried to sleep through a cold or a flu where it's like you're sweating and then you wake up or, you know, you're tossing and turning or it's it's like I kept having these dreams and all weekend I was, every time I slept, I was like deeply dreaming. I wouldn't necessarily always remember the content of the dreams, but it was very dreamful. And all together, including when I went to bed the night before, I slept for about 15 hours. And I'm so grateful that I did. Um, what I am, the story I'm making up about my experience is that the, the initial part when I was creating and all these thoughts were coming up, that that's not new. I just didn't run away from it. I didn't distract myself. So that felt like something before. Oh, it's grief. But then I like was patient and gave time. And then I went through the sobbing part. And I think normally that's where I would have been like, okay, grief over. But it was something about giving my body today. It allowed those parts of this particular grief that I believe probably thought we never getting out of here. (laughs) She ain't never going to look at this. She ain't never going to address this. Not even willfully, just, yeah, just not. And because I gave it enough time without going back into my regular routine, without getting busy, without doing all that, because I gave it time, I really believe that's what allowed those last parts to come out. And what are the last parts? This, this, this is part of the last parts. I've talked about her today. I've said her name talked about how much I loved her and how much I do love her and miss her and that's the part I gave life to her memory and that feels so complete for now I have no idea (laughs) what the future path of this particular grief holds and I don't have to For now, it feels like I've done the things that I was supposed to do to let my body do what it needed to do to allow these things to come out. And that feels good. I'm sharing because we all have something to grieve. All. I don't even use like generalizing language very often, but I mean this one. We all have something to grieve. And like I said, sometimes we don't not grieve intentionally. So it's my opportunity to just invite people, not necessarily to go looking for it. You can if you want. I'm convinced if we're open enough, though. 
that it'll reveal itself. In the midst of this, I had people, so many loving people in my community who were reaching out to me, um, checking in on me. I received gifts. <laughs> um, my dear friend and sister, Kara, Kara Michelle Pearson, previous guest, <laughs> um, she sent me an edible arrangement. And that is so beautiful. Like, I know people love me, but it's something about when people love me, not just with their words, but with their time and their money. That really helps me to be like, no, nah, girl, for real, these people love you. You know, I had a friend of mine, Akila, former guest, <laughs> send me this beautiful um, reminder that it's okay to grieve. And just so many people looking out for me. I went and held space and was held by a friend. And it's something when two people in grief can get together and holding each other organically. I held a part of her story. She held a part of mine. We laughed. We cried. We did all the things. And it feels so good to be held in community. My beautiful children who I we didn't necessarily talk about me being in grief only because, you know, it's not a secret. I'm very open with them. They just happened to not be around in the moments where it was extremely present. But even I feel like they could energetically just hold space. The number of hugs that I got from my kiddos, I think they just instinctively knew it. My partner who fed me and kept me hydrated and touched me and loved me and all of that. It just means so much. So another thing that I suggest is um, letting people in on your grief. Because I know me and I know another, and this goes to another reason why I shared so openly on social media, because I want to be known, not just perceived. And I've been perceived most of my life. And the perceptions that people have of me um, almost always trend towards positive. Um, not a lot of people, I think, or at least that come that I'm aware of perceive me in ways that would be considered negative necessarily, but along this thread of positive perceptions, it's just that, you know, we're so put together. We're so strong. We're so this, that I really does. I think make people think we don't need the love, care, support, nurturing, um, that most people do. I'm not, I don't want to be nobody's superhero. I, or superhuman, I'm a human human. <laughs> so I share this grief process to, cause I want to normalize talking about grief. I want to normalize the many ways that it shows up. I want people to see their reflection and, and to know what's possible. You know, when someone loses someone, there is an immediate um, thing that happens in our culture and in our society where there is grief. I mean, there is, uh, sorry, not grief. Uh, there is compassion and there is allowance. And there is this thing that happens where people go, oh my goodness, this person has experienced this loss. And so people are accommodating to the grief process they recognize that how the person who has just experienced a law experienced a loss will show up in the world will look very different than how they might be used to showing up 
And so people are very present to give their words of affirmation and their acts of service and their physical touch and their gifts and all, all the love languages come out and we rally around the person who has lost. And then we go, we can't just accept, expect them to just go back to, you know, the way they used to. So they give time and they give space. But what happens when that grief is 12 years removed? I know she died 12 years ago. But it was like she just left me this weekend because that grief wasn't a past tense grief. It was a present grief. I lost my beloved this weekend. And I just want people to give themselves the space to understand that when grief comes up, whether it's for the first time or whether it's a resurgence of grief that you've grieved before, it's not past tense. The outside world can look at it like it's past tense. The outside world can say, man, that was that was over a decade ago. But to our bodies and to our experience and to our relational, the relational parts of us that have needs, it doesn't feel past tense. It feels right now. And so I know I can't always expect the world to give me the compassion and the allowance and the grace because it's past tense, but I can give it to myself. I can tell people that what's going on and then those people who are surrounding me and loving me, they can give it to me right now. And that's what happened. And so I just, I really wanted to share today um, because this is going to help somebody. I'm arrogant enough to believe, whether we call it arrogance or not. I'll call it arrogance though. I am arrogant enough to believe that every single episode of this podcast that I put out is going to help somebody. Every single bonus episode, every single therapy Thursday, every TikTok video, every self-care Sunday, every wellness Wednesday, everything I do, I am confident enough so it's probably not arrogance, confident. <laughs> I am confident enough in the gifts that have been given to me that I exercise that is going to help somebody. And so I choose to share openly, vulnerably, raw, the parts of me that some people would never think of sharing because I know it's going to help somebody. And quite frankly, they always help me. So that is what I have for y'all. Be gentle with yourselves. Be compassionate towards yourselves. And be gentle and compassionate with others. You never, ever know what a person is going through. But when we lean with curiosity and compassion, and we endeavor to love well, we can hold the space for those who have moments of grief or whatever they're going through because we don't pick it. I have frequently said, and I will reiterate, grief is like poop. You don't necessarily know when it's coming. You can't control it. It is not uh, concerned with your convenience. It stinks. It's not always something you want to invite people into with you. But if you don't do it often, you can't maintain your health. And so here is to intentional, thoughtful grieving. 
If you want to get in touch with me, if you have suggestions for content or guests, please reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. My website is www.thelaborsoflove.com. On the bottom of that is a place where you can um, sign up to be part of my newsletter, which has all the goings-ons and stuff. I want to thank Trey Angel, who does the music for the Labors of Love podcast, for my producer, Jay Sugg from Instant Classic Media. I just want to thank you all for tuning in and listening. Until we connect again, you all be well. Be well.